Los Angeles, 2023. I love that. You should do that more often. <laughs> Welcome to Out on the Lanai, the only Golden Girls podcast you're ever going to need to listen to. I am Sadie Pines slash H. Allen Scott. And I'm Carrie Doherty. And this is a podcast where we used to watch an episode of the Golden Girls and then talk about it, but we ran out of those episodes. And then we broke down all the fabulous 24 episodes of the Golden Palace, the spinoff, you know. But we ran out of those episodes too. So now, Frazier... What do we do? We do whatever the hell we want. Or as Frazier would say, meow, 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 meow. That was a really good translation of how Frazier would say that. That Thank was you. that was perfect. Thank you. Uh, I'm so excited because today we're doing another Golden Rewind <laughs> where we go back and rewatch our favorite episodes of the Golden Girls and re-talk about them and offer new insights since we first started breaking down these fabulous episodes back in 2014. And today we have rewatched season two, episode 14. I want you to take me, Biff. We watch the actor. <laughs> I still have a cough from having a cold. So I sound so when I laugh and stuff, I sound like a smoker. <laughs> you sound like you sound like B. Arthur. I do a little out bit. on the lanai. I do a little bit. We should tell listeners that today we are recording this on Mother's Day. So from every listener to you, Carrie, I say Happy Mother's Day. Uh, I you could probably Thank say Mother's you. Day to me too if you want, but don't, don't, don't. I don't need it. I don't need it because my mothering is different and probably more inappropriate than your mothering. Well, I, well, I I would like to say I would like to say Happy Mother's Day. To mothers out there, to mother figures out there. Yeah. Um, and also, I am also thinking of people who maybe don't have a great mm-hmm. relationship with their mothers, people who have lost their mothers, like just anybody. I know, you know, this can be a hard day for some people as yep. well. So um, I'm thinking of all the mothers yeah. uh, today. We love a good mommy. However, that comes in the form of we love it. It's just, you know, I love the whole sort of, that's what's so great about this podcast is the spectrums of family and how we, what we call them and what we view as family and all the things. So I love it. So happy day to everybody, whoever, however you're recognizing it. Yes, yes. I feel like I'm, I'm now picturing what a Dorothy Sophia mother's day would be like in brooklyn oh interesting i mean i have a feeling that no is 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 sal still alive i don't know is that in your scenario who's alive? yeah let's say sal is still alive okay so i have and a... dorothy is like let's say well she didn't really date stan did she he just no. kind of knocked her up and then they got married yeah i mean there was like probably a moment of like high school courtship but then it was just sort of knocked up and go um i have a feeling that Sophia is flustered because she has a lot going on. You know, she's taken in a lot of work to buy more television sets. And so and Dorothy comes over and she's also probably flustered because, you know, she has young kids and she's working and she's probably still in school and she's trying to do all of the things that she's trying to do in her life. And they're both very flustered that when they get to the house, they had just planned to get together to help like with laundry and stuff. And then they both forgot it's Mother's Day. 
right? They were too busy. They forgot it was Mother's Day. But then at the end of the scene, after they talk about how busy they are and how stressful their lives are, they pull out of their bags gifts because they didn't forget it was Mother's Day. They just wanted to surprise each other. That's very sweet. That does remind me of the TV uh, episode. I really like that. I feel like, yeah, that's exactly what Mother's Day would have been like for them. And also... I could see, because remember Stan's mother, I I could see uh, Dorothy wanting to stay busy on Mother's Day because she does not want to go visit Stan's mother. But you remember that Stan's mother, when Stan wasn't around, actually had a somewhat decent relationship with Dorothy. You know what I mean? So like when Stan left, her and Dorothy kind of connected in many ways. So I have a feeling that Dorothy probably maybe was not led with so much anxiety having to deal with Stan's mother. In fact, she probably used it as a means to complain about Stan. Yeah, well, I guess it depends on, in this sort of made-up Mother's Day scenario, is this before Dorothy has been left alone with Stan's mother when she realizes it's all kind of a front, or is this you know, post that, because in which case, yeah, she would probably go over and complain about Stan. And also, I mean, we don't know when that started even like was Stan's mother being real with Dorothy only in hindsight of the divorce and the schmuck that Stan became, or was it throughout their marriage that she was secretly chill with Dorothy? You know what I mean? You are raising some really valid questions. Because, I mean, hindsight of with age and everything brings about a different kind of relationship, you know? And the way that Dorothy responded to the divorce and sort of moved on with her life in a really thriving way and the way that Stan was still kind of a schmuck even after the divorce and was kind of a loser, it maybe opened up something in his mother to be like, wow, my son's a real idiot, but this is the one thing that he had good going for him, and even he even fucked that up. So, like... Maybe let's throw her a bone and be nice to her because she's probably has she's she was the one keeping it all together. Yeah, you know, I we had no plans for this this no. up top conversation. No. And I love where this has gone. I, I, mean, I, I love that we're I love that we're recognizing Stan's mother as maybe someone who's a little misunderstood at times. Well, it kind of reminds me of my grandmother, my step grandmother, I should say, in a way, because For the most part, when her husband, my step-grandfather, was alive, she wasn't necessarily the nicest woman, I would say. She was she was ornery, and there was it was difficult to get to know her. But then when her husband passed away, of course she was probably very devastated and upset, but it brought about something different out of her. You know what I mean? She was nicer, she was more gossipy, she was more catty, she was more and she kind of in a weird way sort of enjoyed my queerness and sort of the things that I enjoyed, like TV and movies, and we would talk about things, and she loved the National Enquirer, and we would gossip, and, like, it was kind of... She became a different woman in a way, and I think the similar thing probably could happen with with Stan's mother, not so much after the, you know, death, her husband death or anything, but, like, or even that, but or maybe the, the, she sees her kids grown up and the decisions they've made, and... Maybe she sees things differently. You know what I mean? Maybe she sees people differently. Age has a way of changing things, just like this podcast and how we go back and rewatch old episodes that we previously covered. We have a different perspective on it now, you know? Uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely like, like this episode, which I am so eager to talk about because 
Oh my god. This gosh, is one of the too. episodes. This episode, before we even get into the episode, this episode is it's I mean, in the canon of great Golden Girls episodes, this one is so high up. It is up there with all of the lists of some of the, one of the funniest episodes. Primarily because of Blanche's boob situation, which we all know, the deflation of the boobs in that moment. That was an iconic moment in Golden Girls history. So this is a big episode. But I wonder if we maybe look at Biff, not Biff, we look at the actor a little bit differently now you know what i mean and their and how they 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 their relations with their relationships with him and like i don't know like do we have a different perspective on sort of what was happening in this episode i think we might well i will say the thing that stuck out the most to me now we recorded this episode i mean this is season two so we probably originally recorded this in like 2015 maybe 2016 yeah and in a post-COVID world, I, and I say post, not meaning it's over, but yeah. it has since yeah. begun. I, the amount of kissing that Patrick Bond was doing <laughs> amongst the women, I was like, the whole time I was like, he's just spreading it around the entire community theater. Yeah. Like I, all I could think about were the germs. He's just kissing women left and right he's kissing the girls multiple girls in one scene i that that's honestly but what you remember, struck me I mean, about patrick <laughs> you did you did theater in school right yes yeah so, so like, much of it there is i don't know if your theater situation was similar to this but like i mean when you're backstage i'm not saying that you were a backstage person but if you were a backstage person Things happen and weird, they're weirdos and, and lots of hooking up and things go on between, I mean, there's lots of spit being spread and shared in the backstage of high school theater productions. So look, I, I believe, I probably told this story the last time we recorded this episode, but I will go ahead and share it very briefly once again. Please. Um, when I was in uh, eighth grade, ninth grade i forget i played tinkerbell in (gasps) peter pan and i had a clock i had a clock a big clock and it was wooden and we built it and i my entrance i had to stay inside of that clock for like 10 minutes until my entrance because the clock was on stage when the curtains opened Mm. and by the sunday matinee um i go into my clock and it like smells like sweaty yeah and it's not a big clock like you know i was you know i'm a tiny person i fit into that i was in ninth grade or whatever i fit into that clock but it smelled kind of kind of sweaty and sweet and musky and then later at the at the cast party we used to have so we friday night we would go to a chinese food restaurant saturday night we would go to friendlies and sunday this family the linehans they always had the the cast party where we would literally watch a vhs just like one wide angle of the whole play and we'd watch it and we'd like eat junk food and there started people started whispering that um two of my fellow cast members had fucked in the clock oh my god (laughs) they fucked in the clock wow had hooked up in my clock now I don't, we, I went, I remember years later. You have the ownership of that clock. Had hooked up in my clock. (laughs) 
had hooked up in my clock and I know we should make a t-shirt. And I remember you, I think when you and I actually recorded this last time, I went on Facebook and I was like, Hey guys, and oh I like put it out there to everybody. My high school. I was like, does anybody remember if two people like did something in my Tinkerbell <laughs> clock and no one copped to it. I yeah. don't know who it was. I don't actually think that two people had sex in there. I do believe that two people maybe like messed around in there, but it was a real tight squeeze. So, wow. you know, and it's that, like maybe Rose that's what was Charlie happening in the, there. There was a tight squeeze happening. She's in there. bored. Yeah. There was a tight squeeze happening. Um, so, yes, I did theater. I definitely had a crush on a different boy. Probably oh, yeah. every play I did until I had like my high school boyfriend. Um, and uh yeah there were definitely we did anything goes and there were bunk beds aboard the ship so there were definitely people who made out in the bunk beds yeah there was lots of weird things that happened in my high school theater situation too i remember not wearing underwear once in like a romeo and juliet like that was a dare that we had or something that i wore this like robe thing you know what i mean and they were all it was Mm, like a modern take on romeo and juliet but i was in robe i was I was Friar, the Friar Lawrence or Friar Ty, I forget the character's name, but um, I was the apothecary, the guy who does the, who works with Romeo. And I had to go up on these like big things that like were see-through, like stairways and everything. And one, one play, I was dared to not wear any underwear. And that was my, that was my gift to the debauchery of backstage theater. But for the most part, I was pretty PG <laughs> with my theater department. There was nothing really untowards that happened. I mean, later on, I sort of got into like a relationship with someone I had done theater stuff with in school, but that was like post high school. So yeah, there really was never any sort of like hanky panky happening with me in the theater department that I remember. I don't know. I did do a production with the, she's now a famous comedian, but Nikki Glazer, and we did a, because we went to high school together, we did a show called, oh, The Musical Comedy Murders of 1940 or something. I forget what it was called. And we played the original screenwriters or the, the playwrights of Oklahoma, but that wasn't, that was just sort of an idea. We, that was a gag at the end of the play that we did. And we would get into lots of trouble just because we were loud and obnoxious together. And we were sort of just like, mm-hmm. really, I mean, we were like Jack and Karen. It was like over the top characters. And we yeah. were just over that when we, we adopted that in our, in the way we lived on set and stuff. So we had that, but that was really it. I mean, there was nothing else that was sort of, I don't know, bad about what we did. I was a very good, I was, I was committed to the theater, Carrie. Oh, same. Yeah, you and I are that way. I yeah. was also committed. I didn't do. I didn't do any hanky panky. Um, I don't think anybody wanted to hanky panky with me. I, but <laughs> same, <laughs> same, <laughs> exactly. I do yeah. want to ask you. Oh though. gosh, I remember. Oh, oh, there was a. Um, uh, we're now friends, but he was a lot older than me. Um, and he. Uh, I won't say his name, but he was a child actor. And like, and was like doing like movies and TV shows when he was a kid, the, like the only kid in my tiny town who was, did any of that stuff. And when we, when I was in seventh grade, my very first play was Camelot and my friend Michelle and I both had a crush on him. And, uh, we used to, he had a, a wardrobe change like halfway through the play uh, and we used to go backstage or to, I guess to like the music room where all the wardrobe was and we would smell it. We would be like, oh, it like him. and like, that was like, that was as much trouble as I ever got. Oh no, wait, I did dye my hair. I got in trouble when I dyed my hair 
for Alice in Wonderland. I did. I I had blonde hair and then I dyed it like bright red manic panic and I got in trouble and they made me wear a wig. Yeah. I remember that. That was a little bit of my rebellious phase. That was like junior year. Oh, wow. See, my rebellious phase was like, you know, not saying thank you or something. I do want to ask you, though, before we get into the episode, did you if you were in a play or like a movie or a TV show or anything, would there be an actor that's comparable to this actor that you would go you know, weak in the knees for, for like Dorothy, like Dorothy's reaction to him is insane. Is there an act? Did you want to say this too? You're, you're jumping up and down. You're really excited that I asked this. Yes. <laughs> this keeps happening. I, this keeps you know, happening. We, I love we're it. in the same wave. Rains you know? lately. Cause guys, the same before we start, we don't actually confer each other's notes. I mean, you probably know this by now, but we don't really communicate before we record. We just sort of like watch it and yeah. go. So none of this is planned. Who would be that actor for you, mm-hmm. Carrie? Yes, I did have this note because they all go weak in the knees. Um, so I thought about it and I was like, well, it wouldn't be an actor that like I have like I had a crush on, right? Mm-hmm. That I feel like is like in my league, right? Like a Jason Schwartzman. Oh, I feel like he's okay. kind of in my league. I go, I go dream big. Yeah. Who would it be that I feel like I would actually and the only person I could come up with is Chris Hemsworth. Oh. Like Chris Hemsworth as specifically as Thor. Yeah. Oh, oh, specifically as I, it, Thor. I feel it's incredibly unoriginal. Wow. Chris Hemsworth as Thor with the arms and the hair and the wow. eyes and the chest, you know, <laughs> and the hammer. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. And the hammer, no, the hammer is and, not a euphemism uh, for anything. It is his actual hammer. It is his actual <laughs> hammer. Um, what about you? I was thinking about that because I don't really necessarily react i mean i guess i did as a gag for a bit during the golden palace with um with don Cheadle's Cheadle, but i don't necessarily like go ham when it comes to sort of being like oh my god this actor you know but i was thinking about it and i had an interview i don't know a couple months ago with um uh luke evans who he starred in like a bunch of different things. I never really had anything for him and I still don't, but there was a way in which Luke, because I was asking him about his, like there's a, there's a scene in Ma that sort of went viral, that movie Ma with Octavia Spencer, where she's this psycho woman and she like threatens to cut off his penis or I think she does. I don't know. I forget the whole situation, but I was talking to him about that and the way he was kind of flirting, like having that back and forth, I was like, oh, you're a movie star. I know what you're doing. Go listen to that conversation I had with Luke Evans, because in that particular moment, you'll see the talent of a real movie star using what he knows that we want to hear from him and what he want, what I want from this conversation. And he and I are volleying. And it's a there's a moment where I could easily go speechless like Dorothy does in this in this episode. So there's that. But okay, if I had to choose a actor that would make me go, I would probably say Gael Garcia Bernal. He's my favorite. I love Gael Garcia. I love him so much. Mama yeah. I know. And oh my god. I but I also interviewed Diego Luna, which I had never really had a thing for. I was more I was more in also the Gael. Incredibly handsome. Exactly. But I was always in the more Gael department when it came to the Itu Mama Tambien situation of of lust. But the conversation with Diego wasn't necessarily the flirty movie star conversation that Luke Evans gave me, but it was that sort of like, oh my god, you're actually deep. Like, the conversation was deep and, like, real and funny, mm-hmm. but also, mm-hmm. like, sensitive and, like, thoughtful. And I was just like, am I switching? Am I now Diego and not Gael? I don't know. So it wow. was. Yeah. So maybe that, those are those are my actor level 
ones, I guess. It just got, this conversation just got so hot that my air conditioning kicked on. (laughs) Well, should we keep the heat going and get on with the episode? Yes, let's do it. Yay. And we're back. And right off the bat, I just want to mention Sophia's Captain Jack Seafood Shanty Pirate costume because there were two of these at Golden Con. Mm. And I was so excited when I saw this outfit because, again, these are deep cut costumes that like only a true Golden Girls fan is going to understand. It's so true. Uh, So I... Sometimes I forget. I'm like, oh, what episode is the Captain Jack you know, Seafood Shanty? I, you know what I always costume? confuse and it with? And it was this one. I always confuse it with the artist. So I confuse where the costume comes in because to me, the artist and the actor are identical episodes a season apart. Like they're just well, the same. I will. Yeah. It, there, it's sort of like the forgive me, father, a little yep. romance. And I was actually going to ask you if you could think of any other episode where the women like lose their minds all three of them lose their minds over a guy and that's the only other one i could really think of was laszlo well there are moments where there are moments where same actor but in the valentine's day episode i think it's valentine's day when they get a haircut or they get they go to the salon and yes it's the same actor who plays laszlo who's cutting their hair exactly and um not laszlo the actor the guy who plays the actor is Laszlo the actor? Oh, pa- no, no. Laszlo's the artist. Yes, but this Patrick Vaughn is the actor. Patrick, but Laszlo, guy... the actor who plays, no, isn't Patrick Vaughn is the guy in the hairdresser episode? <gasps> oh, you're right. You're right. You're yeah. right. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you're right. So the Patrick Vaughn character sort of woos the women with his sort of like hairdresser artist motif, whatever, into getting this ridiculous old lady haircut and or hairstyle. Um, and there's that moment that kind of reminds me of, you know, mm. someone using his sort of like wooing in order to get the ladies to do it. Mm-hmm. They want, but I can't think of another one. You're right. I mean, they were kind of like that with Jake, but Blanche kind of oh, Jake, swooped yeah, in totally. so quickly oh, well, no, that oh, the other women didn't really have a chance. Pheromones, pheromone guy, um, the the smelly guy that they all slept with, or that Dorothy had a thing for, but then they all kind of fell for in their own kind of way. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, there's that maybe a little too. bit. Yeah, um, but yeah, and, mm-hmm. and there are, there are plenty of episodes where two girls are after the same guy, of course, but never really mm-hmm. all three. I mean, those are the only ones that I can say think of that are all three. Yeah, I also love how um, when Blanche comes in and announces that the Miami Community Playhouse Theater got a real actor mr patrick vaughn and the way the women are talking about him Mm -hmm. like you know oh he is he is by far my favorite television actor ever he's so talented like i remember the first time i saw this episode i was like oh patrick vaughn must be a real actor i've never heard of because they're talking about him the same way they talk about burt reynolds which is when you're an actor, I have been in a situation where you're writing a script and you want the actor to make a cameo. So you mm-hmm. write these very flattering things like when, you know, Dorothy's like, you know, about Burt Reynolds, he, you know, he should have won the Oscar for Cannonball Run or yeah. whatever. 
And so I was like, oh, that that's what they're doing. And then this guy shows up and I'm like, oh, no, he's just an actor playing Patrick Bond. Which, but I, I, mean, just, I thought that was really interesting. I have a feeling if they would have gotten a real actor like a Mr. Burt Reynolds, they wouldn't have had the budget for the set and the extras that they had in this episode. Because this episode has a lot of people in it and like people with lines, too. Yeah, and honestly, it, they could have maybe wanted to get a bigger actor, but the amount of scenes that Patrick Vaughn yeah. has, that's like that's not a Burt Reynolds cameo where you just kind of show up and do it. Yeah. So, yeah, true. Um I also love, I mean, Rose has so many great lines in this episode, but uh when she's talking about him and she says, "He melts my hog and does," and Dorothy goes, "Rose, you tramp." <laughs> also, fun fact about Hagen Dawes, we learned from Unwrapped, we know this, that it's actually like a like a corporate invented word. It's not a real German word. Really? Yeah, I'm a I'm a devotee. Wow. Of well, Unwrapped. thank you, Mark Summers. Yeah. Always teaching us, my friend. Yeah. Um, so then we're in uh Patrick's dressing room. Yes. And the women are putting out flowers and champagne Whoa. and Blanche is like folding a beach towel I mean, which maybe, I'm assuming maybe there's a shower in the room or it's the it's a different towel than she brought her son home in you know maybe she's giving that maybe, I know maybe that's I brought the, my son's keeping over yeah. that towel yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I was like, maybe that maybe it's for showering. I feel like I just thought it was so perfect that I was like, if anybody's going to hold the item that you associate with a shower, it's going to be Blanche. Yeah, of course. Um, or maybe he just my gets first, super was sweaty. Your, your first kiss was in the rain? The shower. Maybe maybe, maybe oh. he's like Whitney Houston and he just gets super sweaty after a performance. Yeah. Whitney Houston got really sweaty I, um, when she sang. I remember, oh, she was always dabbing. Yeah. Oh, God. R.I.P. Gone too soon. Amazing voice. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was on Schooled, I think this was on season one, the stage that we were on, it was the same stage as that King of Queens was mm. on. And the writers had a room because we would sometimes have to work while we were on set. And I heard that my the writer's room was Jerry Stiller's old dressing room oh. and it had a bathroom with a shower and I was like oh that's nice he just like had a shower it yeah. wasn't like I mean it was a room it wasn't like you know Jennifer Lopez's like really nice trailer with yeah. all the fur and the marble you know it wasn't yeah. like it was just a room but um but anyway I was like oh wow Jerry Stiller was in here I bet there it was is a lot kind of, of interesting memories. for people who I mean because you know you and I both We've seen these spaces. We work in these the industry, and and when I was a kid, I always imagined like you know the lavish sort of like treatment that some of these stars would get on some shows. But it really, when it breaks down, like sure they have great trailers and stuff, but like for the most part, an average actor, may, you know, like a supporting character on a show is going to have the space that's pretty much equivalent to like a teacher's planning room in in a high school. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's not very fancy. It's like the office on yeah. the golden palace, that yes. little back room where they would like count the money. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, Patrick Vaughn comes in and they're all in a trance. Just, I mean, just he is absolutely attractive. losing their minds. He's fine. No, you have to put your, put, 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 take the carry hat off. And become a near retiree woman, single in her sixties. You know, seeing this man walk in who is talented and successful and traveled and all of the things. 
That's a catch. That man is a catch. I honestly, I'm, I feel like it's a little bit of that thing where like, if you were to just like meet a guy at a bar and you'd be like, oh, that guy's fine. But then you see that guy like as a musician playing in a band up on stage. Mm, all of a sudden no. that guy's super hot. Nope. I feel like that was the deal with Patrick. Nope. As soon as someone puts a guitar in their hands, the boner's gone. They're lost on me. I don't understand it. Live music is not my thing. I'm not saying that they're like picking up an acoustic guitar at a party and being like, hey, who wants to hear my like Hoobastank cover? I'm saying like someone <laughs> in a band. Even a band. Too much. Too sweaty. Too much. No. And you know it's just, you know, oh, okay. seconds away from an acoustic guitar backstage too. So no, no, not for me. <laughs> okay. That's fair. <laughs> okay. So then, so they all meet Patrick Bond. They fall over him. And then we get to the auditions. Mm. And this is my favorite scene in the whole episode i love that we got to see the women audition because you know we've seen them when they were dressed up as cats we've seen them as nuns like we we don't ever actually really get to see them perform Mm -hmm. we luckily got to at henny penny but i just loved seeing them audition i was like so so happy the first time i saw this um so first up is dorothy And, you know, they're all doing the same scene with Patrick and there is a, a, such a funny, oh God, B. Arthur, so funny where, um, uh, Patrick's like, uh, you know, please reconsider Josie. You're the prettiest girl in the County. And Blanche laughs from the the audience and, and Dorothy immediately goes, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And then she does her, I want you to take me Biff right here on this stage and then gives him the biggest kiss and then and he goes i'm sorry and she goes "Mm, that was an ad lib i'm sorry (laughs) that was an ad lib (laughs) oh it's so good i mean okay so we know that this is this is an episode because there's not much sophia in this episode to be honest but there this is an episode where dorothy rose and blanche shine but if you had to pick one of them as this is their episode who would you pick Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I have a feeling, I'll, I'll, I'll give my answer on this. I have a feeling that most people, and I don't think you're wrong, would choose Blanche because it is a great Blanche episode. It's a wonderful Blanche episode. And, it, and she has yeah. probably the biggest laugh in the episode too. However, mm-hmm. I would argue, watching this now after our first watch, that this is kind of a Dorothy episode because... Dorothy to me is more is is more she has more opportunities for slapstick comedy because she dro- I mean she literally does a fall she does like a pratfall like she falls in a scene in this episode and so she, does Blanche I had that note yes yeah. true and she has but I mean Blanche I would expect to fall you don't expect to ever see B Arthur drop in any way in any show in any scene it is just funny when B Arthur falls more than any other actor but. She also has that bit at the end where she's like flailing the police baton thing, which you could see she was like moving her face so she wouldn't hit. Like there were so many moments of like subtle hilarity from Dorothy that I kind of think it's her episode. You know, it's weird because when you said a lot of people would say Blanche, in my mind I was thinking Rose only because Rose had a lot of really funny lines, but I'm – I feel like I'm, it's like a three-way tie for me in this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of Blanche, I think we have to play. You have to. Uh, have Blanche's 
audition scene because oh boy i'm ready the moon is hanging awful low in the sky tonight isn't it busty <laughs> Joseph. it sure is biff it makes me want to kiss you Josie. oh mind your manners biff while we at the fourth of july picnic the whole town is here to hell with this town come away with me but you're a drifter biff I can't just pull up stakes and run off with you. Please reconsider, Josie. You're the prettiest girl in the county. I need to have your answer now. What's it going to be? I want you to take me, Bill. Oh. 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 There is a woman, and we talked about this in the first first recording. I know this because I'm have been obsessed with this woman's laugh for years to come. But there is a woman who laughs like the <laughs> she's like a Woody Woodpecker laugh during this scene, <laughs> and it is so funny to me. It is so funny. I can't believe I was I, able to make my voice does, just do that. Gets, by the way, I can't believe I was able to make that? that laugh. That I was able to that make that was laugh. really impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this was another great costume I saw at Golden Con, the red sweater with the big balloon mm-hmm. boobs and the kind of like light blue, like sort of flower pattern pants. Yeah. Um, I also love uh, after after this moment, he says, uh, I'm afraid I popped your bosom. <laughs> and she goes, don't you worry about a thing, Patrick. My backup pair could take a lot more punishment, <laughs> which is such a blanche line. Such a blanche line. Um. I will also say this scene to me paved the way for one of the greatest physical yeah. comedy moments on Will and Grace, we which is, about that. and I feel like we probably also talked about this yep. last time we recorded this, but Das Boob, yeah. where Grace wears a water bra and it punctures and they're at like an art, I think they're at a gallery and she's like, mm. Will's trying to help her cover it because she's trying to impress a guy and she's like spraying the artwork and- It's so good. Um, it's such a good one. I mean- It's so good. It's, yeah, it's 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 one of those bits. And I love those moments too when you can see sort of the, because I mean, I, there was a lot of, I'm sure, boob humor in on television before this, but I can't think of a more direct boob joke as this on a sitcom before this in the, even in the 50s, 60s or 70s, because television had only been around for like 30 years before this episode. So like, I can't think of another boob moment that would not like only a physical gas. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. This probably would be one of the first, please. If you know of another one that is as iconic and as phallically boobish, booblicious <laughs> as this, please, please, please let us know in the comments on Instagram. So let me ask you something. What do you think Rose's audition would have been like? I was actually a little bummed that we didn't get to even see a little bit yeah, of hers. This is why I don't think it's a Rose episode because I, I just, well, I just don't think, I think her audition, I don't know, because we learn in a later episode when they're also doing an acting thing and, and Rose gets a part that's bigger than Blanche or whatever. Like I forget the setup for that episode. So we know that Rose can act. Like she has the acting ability in her. But I just have a feeling she probably confused the lines and then confused him. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, that's it's it's interesting because, uh, you know, it's it's like the women if, if they were to do Rose's audition, the women are sort of getting like increasingly like hornier. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, 
you have Dorothy who gave him a really long kiss, you know, Blanche who's thrusting these fake boobs against him. I feel like I'm just like, how would, how would Rose have topped that? You know, cause that's what you, you would have had to have escalated it. Yeah. And, and to see Rose do it too, would have been fun. Like, um, you and know, I wonder if they that did episode have it where and they cut it. Like, I wonder if they just cut it. In, in, in the writing, perhaps, yeah. uh, at some point. Yeah. When they were writing, I'm sure they did. And they just didn't have the time for it. And they were like, well, the Dorothy and the Blanche ones are yeah. funniest. Yeah. Um, but Remember there was the the triangle episode with Elliot uh, Clayton or Elliot uh, what's his last name Clayton but Elliot um, where uh, Rose was trying to prove to Dorothy that he was a scumbag and yeah. so she starts hitting on him yeah. and she kind of drops her voice and gets all sultry and I'm yeah. like maybe that's what Rose would have done like while we're at the Fourth of July picnic Biff I'm Betty White you know what I mean like yeah. that kind of thing what? um. But uh, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, Phyllis Hammerow is the one who wins the coveted part of Josie. Oh, Phyllis. Uh, Phyllis. And I love I love the way that this scene was written. Um, I mean, the, the auditions were really great, but I love how he were able to see him ask out all three women mm-hmm. in the scene, yeah. which I thought was really fun. Um. Uh. First, first to come back is Blanche, and I love it when he's like calls her. He's like Blanche, and she goes, "Yes, Judas." Yeah, <laughs> and I just love the way she says Judas. Um. So you know, he of course is like, "Oh yeah, I you know I, I blah blah blah." Like I, I want to go out with you, and he's in the middle of divorce and blah blah blah. We all know how the episode goes, yeah. and uh, so she makes a date for him for dinner at eight p.m. and then she leaves. Yeah. Then Rose comes on. And I, this is where I'm like, the, the, some of Rose's lines in this episode were so great where Rose comes back looking for Blanche mm-hmm. and he, Patrick says, Rose, there's something I've been wanting to ask you all day. And she goes, mine are real. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved that. Uh, so, uh, so they set dinner for 10 PM, yeah. which is so late to be having dinner. My God, how are you going to sleep? There's so much indigestion. <laughs> uh, and then he kisses her. Yeah. And I, again, I love her line. He kisses her and she's just so just, just thrown back by this. And she goes, I don't know what you just did, but you'd make a great yodeler. <laughs> uh, I love it's it. So and then good. Dorothy comes out and he's like, are you doing anything around midnight? Which again is so late to be hanging out. Listen, oh, when it's good, but- it's good. You don't care what time it is. I guess so. Maybe early on when you're like, if it's yeah. exciting, you're like, oh, I don't care. I'll meet you at midnight. I'll yeah. go wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that kind of makes sense. I do sense. love Dorothy. This, uh, is, this is another reason why I think this is more of a Dorothy episode in terms of like the best character funny moments in that the way Dorothy reacts to him. I mean, she is like her, that crush that she had on her teacher back in high school is in town. I mean, and she is getty. She will, Mr. Do, Gordon. Any, she will do anything for Mr. Gordon. Just like, that's how she's reacting to him. I mean, she is, she's, she's lying for him. And you know, Dorothy does not lie. Yeah. Well, and that's why, again, like there aren't a lot of scenes in this episode because they're all so long, Yeah, but they're so wonderful and fun. And it really does feel like theater, which is yeah. so appropriate for this episode. And yeah. I don't know if that was a conscious choice, but yeah, this sort of 
this like fun thing of characters entering and exiting and the timing and the catching yeah. and the oh boy and then it, it all did feel so much like theater which yeah. if that was intentional hats off golden girls writers because that's and it's incredible very slapsticky too um, i mean it's very like you know what you would expect mm-hmm. sort of like a like a vaudeville type comedy of errors like to to be like you know what i mean like someone entering and coming and falling and all of the things yeah, yeah. So yeah, so the, the, the second act, um, you know, it's like sometime later, uh, you know, Patrick has been dating all of the women sort of secretly and him and Blanche return uh, from an afternoon date. Um, I also I cannot believe that none of the women spilled this yeah. information for a whole week. Like, I mean, also, when it's, it's one good, thing it's to good, like, good, you know what I mean? You don't want to talk about it necessarily because it could ruin it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this the scene is so fun. And like you said, B. Arthur and Rue McClanahan both do pratfalls on the floor, which feels very much like Valerie cherishing a cupcake. Yeah. You know, just just falling over. But seeing um, B. Arthur fall still is just it's just so funny. Yeah. Like the time Sophia makes her that drink yes. and she falls on the bed yes. and Sophia's like, it works, it works. And she's like, it's fun to entertain her. And then she falls again on the floor. Yeah. And I was like, B. Arthur, t- like standing like a tree, yep. just fell it's straight just on fell. the floor. I mean, Dedicated comedic actor. Iconic. Um, also in, in this scene, which again is so great, the contacts, you know, Blanche, you know, she has a, a new role and I'm throwing her on the floor. We're practicing and all of that. His ability to lie yeah. and sort of pass it off as like, oh, I'm just a good actor. Like, that's incredibly troubling. He'd like, make a great I serial feel like, killer. A great serial killer. I, I was going to say he'd be a great villain yeah. cast member on a reality show. Mm-hmm. He seems to me like the type of guy who just lies and lies and lies and lies and can't keep all of his lies also, but straight. If he's been, okay, so if he, let's say a couple of weeks have passed by, theoretically, like they've been rehearsing this play and they've all been dating this guy. He clearly is dropping them off after dates or is bringing them home. How does he not know that they don't live together? Well, I think he says it's been a week, Still. but maybe, maybe they're um, meeting up at the place. We do know that I think was Rose waiting in the trunk of his car. Was that yes. this episode? That, well, that was well. That, yeah, that's where they're going to meet at ten forty-five or ten fifteen or whatever. That she'll meet him in the trunk of his car, <laughs> which also backs up the theory for possible serial killer. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, you get a point for that one. Um, <laughs> I do want to play his interaction with yeah. Rose in this scene because she has such a quotable line that I wanted on a T-shirt. Thank goodness you're here. I made up that ridiculous explanation, hoping I'd run into you. So you live here, too? huh? Yes. But why would you ask me if I oh, live here? If kiss you already... me, Rose. <laughs> Go easy, Patrick. It's not a toy. <laughs> it's not a toy. That's that sort of sultry yeah. rose. It's almost like she's um, uh, she's like a strawberry yep. dipped in chocolate. But also, in what's, that mo- like, what's so interesting about that exchange of dialogue is Dorothy, nothing that Dorothy is saying or doing shows that she has any hint that there's anything wrong. 
Same with Blanche. Blanche, of course, she had some anger at one point because he wasn't giving her the attention she wanted. But there was no hint that maybe she's on to something about him. You know what I mean? That there's something off about this. Whereas Rose in this situation says, well, why would you ask me if I live here if you already... Like, there's something spinning in her head of what you're saying is not right, but I'm going to be distracted by this kiss. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's what he does with the women. It's like, yeah, I'm going to just like give you passion and you're going to be like, wait, wait, what? But I love that we get the hint that Rose is the smart one here, which is kind of always iconic. I do think that Dorothy actually says something. I don't think Blanche does, but I thought that Dorothy said something like, oh, you expect me to believe that? And he goes, well, I had to do that because if then Blanche knew this, then this, do this. She goes, oh, God, you're a good actor. Or, you know what I mean? So I think. Dorothy did question it, but, but not definitely way... got off incredibly easy. Oh, yeah, fully. Oh, fully. And I also think she's questioning it in relation to her, but not so much questioning. It could have like, been. I watched this motive. and took these notes like a week ago. Yeah. So your your watch is more fresh than mine. Yeah, I watched it like literally 20 minutes ago. But still, you might be right. I mean, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, so now we're at uh, the night of the production, opening night of the play. And before we get into that, I think we should take another little break. Cliffhanger. Oh, what's going to happen? Who's going to fall in love? And we're back. Like we were saying, the night of the production. I don't think we've ever seen Rose's hair clipped back like that before. I know, did you notice I know, that? I How her hair was that. clipped back? Also, can we just talk about... Now, I have a feeling that Blanche was padded in this scene in terms of her boobage because her boobs were looking good. Like, her boobs were looking good. And we know that Rue McClanahan was not necessarily very blessed in the boob department. Whereas Betty White, that woman is blessed and highly favored in the boob area. And she had, I Mine mean, are real. she had this moment of that cinched waist with the boobs coming out and the little like sweater. They both looked so good. It looked like they were coming from like a nice little picnic. I mean, it was perfection. Their outfits, perfect. They did. They both looked really good, really youthful. Blanche's very much hair like too. Sort of, Blanche's hair was yes, like flattened pe- straight. Yeah, yeah, so good. They both looked amazing. Very like Peggy Sue got married, 50s yes. era townspeople. Um, yeah, they look good. With Blanche, I mean, as someone with a small chest, I can say that a little bit of padding and some placement can really go a long I mean, way. You don't you even have to. Pushes up and together. You don't have to tell me that. Trust me. Anytime I'm in well, Sadie, yeah, there's a course. lot of padding involved. Sadie knows. Yes, yes. Sadie knows. Let's- some natural um, padding, though. There's some so, natural padding as well. Don't worry. There's very, there's lots of natural yeah, padding. Yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. So we learn that um, uh, the guy who was supposed to play the sheriff got the flu. Okay. Uh, and so now Dorothy's going to be playing the sheriff. This is another reason why uh, this is Dorothy's episode. Because just like Blanche, she gets a visual gag that I would say perhaps gets even maybe a bigger laugh than Blanche's visual gag because it is just so wild to see B. Arthur in this outfit. And her face is not registering that she shouldn't be in this outfit. 
Like this to her, she's just the sheriff. I actually love how committed Dorothy is to the role because like, I I don't know if they ever announced understudies or had understudies. So I'm like, wait, did she just learn the lines in like a couple hours? But I, I, I do think the joke worked funniest like with her committing to yeah. it versus her feeling uncomfortable or looking uncomfortable. Um, full face of so, makeup. Full uh, face of makeup. I mean, she did nothing to make her face look anywhere near masculine. She was just like, nope, I am just Dorothy in a sheriff's costume with a beer belly. Actually, let's play her scene because okay. I, I love Dorothy as a sheriff. Evening, Sheriff. Evening, Beth. What you doing here? The usual, just drifting. I just cannot believe you would stab me in the back. Me? You're the backstabber. Excuse us. How much longer are you planning on staying in town, Biff? Hard to tell. Well, I'm going to keep my eye on you. You. I'm going to keep my eye on you. She's doing like a little bit of Blanche, but not quite. I'm oh. like, I'm here for it. It's so good. So something else we also learned before Dorothy comes out, uh, Josie lets it slip. The yeah. woman who plays Josie lets it slip that she's been hooking up with Patrick and oh. Rosa Blanche are like, what? Wait, I've been seeing him too. So that's, of course, also, what they're props talking to about, this which actor. you guys all know. Props to this actor because she came out and she owned that scene. There was no... You know, her standing in the presence of Betty White and Rue McClanahan, not at all. She was an actress, and she was delivering a line, and she was just one of the girls at that point. That's right, Phyllis Hammerow. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so Dorothy's amazing as the sheriff. And then also, if you notice when um, the curtains open, and they're like, places everyone, and the curtains open at the beginning of the play, the... Audience applause, it's so thunderous yeah. that it actually sounds like a 10,000-seat theater. Like, it is the deepest echoing applause. I was like, it sounds like they're at, like, the Emmys. I have a feeling that that community does not get as much theater as it should. And so when a good play and a big actor comes through, they applaud. They applaud hard. Yeah. Yeah. Who's in a, what was he? He's playing a fruit in a commercial. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever been a fruit before? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so all the women know about Patrick. Um, they, you know, they all confront him. Well, uh, I do love that. Which everybody that, thinks is part of the. Uh, that, that Blanche and Rose, they have this full on conversation. And then of course, Dorothy gets brought in too. And she's like, shh. And they all confess that they've been seeing, you know, this actor. And they're all speaking at full on like volume. Like there is no whisper. There's no stage whispering happening, anything. They're even able to have a long enough conversation so that Rose can explain a word. Like there's they're fully having like a full on side scene while this other scene. What was I want to know what was happening in that scene because it would be a long exchange. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. They were having a really long conversation. Yeah. Um, uh, I love when they do like confront him and Patrick is like basically like, yeah, okay, I slept with everybody, whatever. 
um, uh, spreading lots of germs. Yeah. Um, but he's like, but everybody who had a good time, put your hand up and all the women do. Yeah. And then Ed, the stage manager does as well. And Patrick mm. calls him a liar, which we know now, he's who not. Who do you think was the liar? Oh no, it happened. Who was the liar? We know it happened. Cause it's like, it's yeah. like in that movie. Yeah. Oh God. What is that movie with what's his name where he shows his wee wee and he's a sex addict. I forget, but there's a, there's the, he's that kind of thirst or something. I forget what it was called. What is it called? Shame, thank you, Michael, in the background. The movie Shame with um, Fassbender, Michael Fassbender. And it like even in that movie, like when a sex addict like this actor needs to get off, he's not going to let a little thing like gender get in the way of him getting off. You know what I mean? He needs attention. He needs validation. And that stagehand had a great, great moment. You are so animated right now when you're speaking yeah. that you're – Little microphone holder is it's bobbing up, and, up down. and down. Yeah. Can you hear it? It's making. <laughs> I can't noise. hear it. Very I, funny. Oh, is it? Is it making noise? I can't hear it. But I'm. I'm glad. I'm glad this. I'm glad my microphone got involved in this because I believe it firmly. I also love that there's a moment where Blanche, like, because Blanche does the Wendy Williams thing, where instead of saying like, "How dare you? I hate you," she says the most dramatic the most extra thing she could possibly say that is so extreme that she's like, like, she's like, that's a, that's a hanging, <laughs> bring a, bring, oh, bring yeah. the rope. Like she goes to murder immediately. And it reminded me of Wendy Williams when she's talking about Britney Spears's family. And she's like, death, death to all of them. And the audience goes, because <gasps> like, you don't expect to hear oh, someone. I'm not familiar oh, with that moment. It's a viral clip. I will send it to you. It is one of the most iconic moments of daytime television in history. But yeah, it's like that. She's so dramatic. I I just thought it was a funny detail that Blanche mentions that she washed his hair. Yeah. <laughs> like that they that they took a tubby or something. <laughs> um, so stupid. So so then basically like all the women tell Patrick to like fuck off and the audience cheers because they thought it was part of the play. Yeah. And everybody sort of like realizes like, oh shit, they're actually paying attention. <laughs> and yeah. they all like awkwardly hold hands and bow. And it reminded me of the episode of the Golden Palace where Blanche and Rose were fighting because Blanche thought Miles was cheating on her and mm. they keep arguing in public and Roland has to keep going like, oh, uh, everybody give it up for the uh, Golden Palace community theater production of Lil Labner. Yeah. <laughs> that's what yeah. it reminded me of. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, what a good scene that was. I mean, that this is definitely I mean, this is one of the top episodes of Golden Girls ever. Just saying. It's so good. It is kind of a bummer that Sophia wasn't in it very yeah. much. But I mean, with this um, many characters and storylines and things happening, it would have been very hard to have to have a B story that like you could do really anything with. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There just there wasn't room for it because the women all needed to have separate time with Patrick and that took yep. up a lot of screen time. Yeah. Um so now back at home, mm -hmm. the women are all feeling foolish. And um, they mentioned that the audience got their money back, which I'm like, they ha they got a show. They I applauded. Mean, yeah, they did. I but like, I mean, one thing that when we were watching the episode, we both were like, it's the shortest play. Like literally it was a one scene play, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I oh, no, but did, yeah. did any time pass or no? No, it was the beginning of the play. Like, remember when it opened oh. up, it was the beginning of the play. So from that moment until they had their confrontation, it's probably, what, 10 minutes, if that? Mm, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm also obsessed with Rose's outfit in this scene. She oh. had that like pale blue skirt and kind of a pink sweater with different so, like pastels on it. I was obsessed with it. So unflattering in a way that is wonderful. And also uh, Dorothy's outfit too. It looks like she's wearing an apron, like a shirt apron. Oh, I don't. Rem- I didn't write down what she was wearing. It was one it's of those things that I've you like. It. Was it that you put on? It's like a. It, it's a full cover. It covers your arms and everything, and you just. It's sort of like an apron, and then she takes it off at the end of the day, her work day, because it was just so baggy and brown and bleh, that like it just an aprony. It seemed very aprony. <laughs> whereas, whereas I would say Blanche is just like dressed. Like she looks comfortable, but she is dressed. I also like how in this scene, it it actually looks like Blanche and Rose are wearing stage makeup, like bold colors. Everything's sort of applied like very like thick lines. Yeah. And Dorothy's makeup is a little bit more subdued because she was playing the sheriff. Yeah. I just thought like as a little detail, because, you know, we used to rail on things like how the women would wear full makeup to bed or in the hospital. But I actually really liked this little detail of I was like, oh, yeah. That those look like faces that like they're going to be scrubbing to the wee hours of the morning because I don't know about you. It was so hard to get stage makeup off your face after doing a theater production, at least for us, because I feel like a lot of the makeup we were wearing was like not actually makeup, but just paint. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't, yeah. I don't know that we were wearing like proper makeup. But there also but was that. It thing always took so long to get off that theater kids. And this is just me making fun of myself included uh, theater kids. But there was that bit after you finish a play and you have to go out and visit people and you then you go to the party afterwards and all the things that you could you could theoretically take off your makeup before you go out and visit people. But you're an actor and you want you want people to see your work and you're proud of this horrible, horrible old man makeup that you're wearing. And so you go out and you're like, I know I was just so busy. I had to come out here and see you guys with all my makeup on. You know, <laughs> it's so crazy. Probably able to yeah. take it off till later after we go to Denny's so that everyone at Denny's can see me in my, and then ask me why I'm wearing it. And then I can tell them about my part. Like literally that's why you do it. Like that is why you do it. Do you have any photos of your theater days? Because if you do, we should post them. I do have one photo that someone recently posted from a show that I did in high school. I do. Yes, there I do have something. Okay, I'll look okay. it up. I'll look then it up. I'll, I'll send you some and we'll post them. Okay. Um, I also love, there are a couple in this just final moment uh, lines that I loved. I love when Blan- or Rose says, um, I feel so common, so cheap, so used. How do you usually deal with that, Blanche? So I love that line. And then the final lines it's of the episode so are so great. Yeah. Dorothy goes, Dorothy goes, he made me feel beautiful. Blanche says, he made me feel young. Rose says, he made me feel smart. <laughs> and then do you remember Dorothy's final line? Yeah, that does something like, wow, he's good or something, right? God, what an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. It's so good. I love that. I love that the women, they don't even need to apologize to each Mm -hmm. other. They don't have anything to make up to each other. They all got duped. They all realize that they're all just commiserating together. And then just that final line from Dorothy is like it's perfect yeah he got us he was good it, it was it's just such a good episode really truly one of the best i just it's just so good okay shall we take a break and come it's back so with our good. golden takeaways 
I would love nothing more. <laughs> we are back with our golden takeaway, which is a nugget of truth or inspiration that you can apply to your life or the lives of our listeners. Carrie, what is your golden takeaway from this episode? Um, You know, as someone who didn't do sports and I was a theater kid my whole life, um, I want to encourage people to go see some kind of production in your town, in your city, a high school play, community theater, a drag show, support these people, support these artists. And I'm going to plug a show right now that I'm planning on going to next weekend. I know a lot of our listeners are in L.A. So if you want to come to this show, please come find me and say hello. Um, My friend uh, Gabe Gibbs, who played Elder Price in the national touring production of Book of Mormon, has a show Saturday, May 20th at 4 p.m. at Dynasty Typewriter here in Los Angeles. we love Dynasty. Yes, it's called Silly Songs, Sad Songs. It's a musical comedy. He has two pianos to, quote, explore important topics such as farts, wieners, and the downfall of Jared Leto. Um, uh, Gabe is so incredibly funny and talented, such an incredible singer. Uh, so if you're in Los Angeles, that is a local show that I would like to plug. And um, and if you're there and you see me, come say hello. I mean, I love the wieners and downfall of i mean i love that that's such a great such a great line for a show i mean wieners <laughs> my golden takeaway from this episode is i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback on that actually i love i mean i don't necessarily love theater i do i do i do love theater i love musical theater I love all those things but i don't necessarily like going to things you know what i mean i'm not big into that but i have always thought that it would be funny if I, as Sadie, did, like, a stupid play, but then fucked it up along the way. So I might write that someday. I might That might be my one-woman show someday, is, is me attempting to do a, a one-woman show, and then everything goes wrong. I think that could be funny. I think that's a really fun idea. Yeah, just that you, you, you have good intentions. It's just, it just didn't work out the way, and it turns into a chaotic... Maybe, you know, expose on life and how complicated it is in a draggy kind of way. <laughs> I love that. I feel like any Sadie show that you do, that's kind of like, okay, so I'm doing this woman show. I'm doing this monologue. I'm doing this thing. It all ends with in a draggy kind of way. You know? Let's talk politics in a draggy kind of way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I just want to wish you a happy birthday. In, in a, a draggy, draggy kind, kind of, of way. way. <laughs> Oh, so fun. Happy birthday, Dorothy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, guys, this has been a roller coaster of laughter and joy. Thank you all for um, coming on board this production (laughs) of of Out in the Lanai this week. Uh, We will catch you back here next week for more Golden Girls greatness. Take me, Piff. Take me, wieners. Um, yes, and we are a part of Mom Media. So you should go subscribe to Mom Plus because there's lots of wonderful things happening over at Mommy. Uh, and also, you can follow us on Twitter at Golden Girls Pod, on Instagram at Out on the Lanai Official, on Facebook at Golden Girls Pod. And I am Sadie Pine slash H. Allen Scott on everything.
And I'm Squidzy on Instagram and Squid Eat Squid on Twitter. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us wherever you get this podcast, because the more ratings we get, the more the show will get bumped up and the more people will discover it and join our lovely kick-ass community of Golden Girls fans. And as always, remember. Remember. Stay stay golden! Biff? 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 I'm not kidding.